This is Socrates and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 204 of the Yellow Wallpots. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, as we will cover Bundesliga Matchday 4, where it's Borussia Dortmund against RB Leipzig, and of course look ahead to the Champions League, where Dortmund have a must-winner against Apoel Nicosia in Cyprus, and uh, to talk about all that, uh, join me once again, Konstantin Eigner from Spielverlagerung. Hello, Konstantin, how are you doing? Hello, Stefan, uh, I'm doing quite well. That is very nice to hear, and... Uh, to back us up, Konstantin and I, we uh, have a guest. It's Manuel Fup, uh, Manuel Football, <laughs> Manuel Fed from the founder of the Football Grad Network. And so you may know him from the Gegenpressing podcast, which is also an English language podcast talking about the Bundesliga and such. So hello, Manuel. Hey, Stefan. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I just uh, landed from Philadelphia back in Germany have a bit of jet lag but I guess now I'm wide awake after sleeping through all afternoon so uh, yeah with any further ado it's time to talk a little bit about, about the Bundesliga and yes dear listeners I'm sorry that I had a very stressful week and uh, didn't really manage to edit the last show on time which is why uh, Lars and I were still talking about whether Thomas Tuchel or who else would be the uh, successful successor of Carlo Ancelotti but uh, as we now all know it's your Pankis. so Konstantin in the short term for this season at least is this a good or bad decision for Borussia Dortmund that Bayern appointed Heinkes and not say Tuchel or anyone else what are your two cents on that um, I don't think it will change much for this season uh, rather much for the next season um, because right now the problems uh, at Bayern Munich are, you know, they are deeper than uh, what it, what a coach could do. Even someone like Tuchel couldn't fix all the problems. Uh, it's just the structure, like the age structure of the, of the squad and pro particular problems who have occurred over the uh, last few years, uh, which haven't been fixed. I mean, Pep Guardiola is good in, in basically covering up uh, some of the the declines that have happened uh, regarding, you know, we were here, for instance. Um, but overall, there's just, you know, the rebuild hasn't happened yet uh, at Bayern. So they have to do that. I mean, Heinke is someone who is, um, who, uh, interestingly enough, he was someone who was mostly hated by, by a lot of his players in, early on in his career. And now he's like the hero for some of them. Um, and I think he still has like the, the hero status uh, at Bayern and uh, is the, uh, is the, Godfather football in the eyes of some. Um, I mean, just remember how we were replayed under him a few years ago when they won the Champions League against Borussia Dortmund at the end. Um, so I think he can fix uh, some of the locker room problems uh, right now and he'll give them a, a boost, but he's also um, asked as a tech, uh, as a tactician. And I don't know if he will fix all the problems, but Bayern is still strong enough to give uh, Dortmund a one for Dortmund's money, so um, it isn't like uh, you know, thing at the ballpark um, for for Dortmund just because they sacked Angelotti. Actually, maybe it was the best thing for Bayern to sack Angelotti now. Um, but it will be interesting to see what Bayern will do next uh, next summer. I mean, that's that's something. Maybe they they won't win the, the championship. Maybe Dortmund will uh, succeed at the end. Um, but, uh, it's, it's far more interesting for Bayern because they have won so many titles. I mean, just, you know, if they, if they will screw up one season, it, it won't hurt uh, much. Um, even, I mean, how would it hurt them? It wouldn't. Um, maybe <laughs> going out, going out in Champions League in a, in a more embarrassing way, maybe that will hurt, uh, their, their prestige a little bit, but even that, like, they can, they can cover up that as well. Um, it will be interesting to see how they will, will build as parts of the squad, especially the attacking department, 
with Ribery and uh, Robin probably retiring or at least leaving. Lewandowski is with one foot out the door. Um, others haven't had the impact they they should have, um, you know, or they already left, like uh, Douglas Costa, for instance. Um, so Müller is, is like in a bit of a low right now. Um, there are there are problems, and Bayern has to fix that. And I think they have to spend much uh, big money. And the f- the problem is that some of some of the people in the front office, particularly one guy um, in Bayern's front office, who is you know the chairman of the club, um, not of the company, but of the club, um, namely Uli Hoeneß, is not someone who's very f- it was fancy about spending more than 45, 50 million euros, but uh, if you're Bayern Munich, you have to um, at, in this day and age. So, I mean, it will be uh, interesting to see how they will, uh, you know, move forward strategically. <laughs> yeah, that's a very brief answer to my short-term question. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you no, know you know the, me all right i mean I, I i i know you i know what what i get with which is exactly why you're on here but um yeah you you touched up on a, a few interesting things especially with uli hoeneß being uh at uh, the helm and more or less in, in in power now um and things seem to develop a little bit more backward manuel i don't know who it was at the start of the season i think it might have been hoeneß or rummenigge who said i think in kicker that it would be disappointing for Bayern, like if things continue, that they only win the Bundesliga instead of like mm. another title, but more or less implying that uh, their the the league win is basically theirs, even if they have a bad season. Um, this narrative or how things have been formulated out of the Bayern camp has changed quite dramatically, though, especially if uh, you consider that. They are the good old Mir San Mir club. So, um, I mean, I think it started with uh, Willy Sagnol saying that uh, after the draw in Berlin that Bayern right now are not the best team in the league anymore. And I think Jupp Heynckes, when he had his first press conference, said something similar, that yeah. Dortmund are now the team to beat and that they're ahead of Dortmund, uh, not only points-wise, but also in, in, in overalls. So, <laughs> um, what what do you make of this, uh, let's say, change in, uh, I don't know, confidence? Is this uh, the, the mind games Bayern are playing? Or do you think their confidence is uh, actually so shaken that they do not think that they are currently the number one in Germany? Well, it's the truth. They aren't. I mean... Um this has been a long time coming. Constantine points out a few of those, the issues, and I think he's quite right. The, the squad needs a massive overhaul and Guardiola tactically was able to, you know, hide some of these obvious issues. And now they're, they're really coming to the surface. Um, age, the, the way the squad has been put together. Hank is, um, is in the, wonderful privilege of taking over a squad four years after that's worse off than the steam team that he left behind. That is, that is quite something when you consider the resources that Bayern have. But to go to your question, I don't think they are the best team in Germany right now. They really aren't. So of course, Bayern saying that is, um, I don't know where we put that. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard a statement like that come from the Sebener Straße, even when Dortmund dominated them in the two years that they won the championship. You know, you could hear someone like Schweinsteiger say, well, we're still the best team in Germany, right? So this is, um, when, when I saw that statement by Sagnol, and, um, I've heard this repeated by various other people from the Bayern camp. Uh, it's, it's very surprising because it really doesn't fit the club philosophy. It really doesn't fit the, the Mir San Mir philosophy. It really doesn't fit the, the arrogance that Bayern displays. And I don't mean arrogance in a negative way, really, in, in this case. I really mean it as in a, this is who we are and this is what we represent. And when we come, um, to your stadium, we're going to win games and that's gone. And that is maybe the most shocking of all the developments that we've seen this year. Um, it's not necessarily that they are not winning games, but it's the, this, this, um, as you say in German, Selbstverständlichkeit, you know, the, the, the matter of factness that they, when they come to a stadium and they just, they're going to dominate the game no matter who the opposition is. And that's gone. And that is, I think, the, the most surprising aspect of this entire thing. And I think that's also the reason why 
they brought in someone like Jupp Heynckes rather than Thomas Tuchel, who was a very strong candidate to take over. But Tuchel would have come in like a bull in the elephant, an elephant in the porcelain shop. You know, he would have taken everything apart at a stage where all they really need is stability. And Jupp Heynckes is going to provide that. And I think um, to, to really to answer your question, I think he is going to be able to come in and say, like, look, we're not the best team in Germany right now, but I'm going to be able to at least get all the parts together again so that we can challenge to be the best team in Germany, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess it does make sense. And, you know, it's it's going to be really interesting how Bayern will develop. And uh, I think all Dortmund fans will hope that Bayern will tank this year and not do such a good job under Jupp Heynckes. Um And it was really interesting to see how Bayern fell apart twice after a 2-0 lead. I mean, against Hertha Berlin, they were never really the dominant side, and I thought they were a bit lucky to be 2-0 up. But uh, nevertheless... That's an understatement, Stefan. I mean, this game, <laughs> I think that, that epitomizes everything that was wrong with Bayern this season. They were gifted two goals, and they couldn't see it. They couldn't see the game out. I mean, when when was the last time we seen something like that? Back in 2010 under Van Hal, maybe? It's been a long time. Yeah, but... But that's that's really uh, what uh, is so different about Bayern this season that they are not this dominant side anymore that intimidates everyone on the field. A team like Hertha Berlin, after they went two 0 down, it didn't seem like they were done playing. Like so many teams do, they just collapse and and just accept defeat. But this was not the case, and I, I think uh, this is maybe an advantage for Dortmund this year in, in their or not advantage but but actually a positive factor in their run for the title that uh, other teams are basically not giving up when they face Bayern before the first whistle and I think that changes a lot because uh, you know how many debates have we had in Germany about uh, coaches fielding like a B squad against Bayern like the good old Armin Fee did with Frankfurt for example mm -hmm. knowing that uh, there was no chance to win in Bayern and better rest some key players for uh, the next game or so so this is this is something uh yeah we are not seeing this season and i guess that's rather refreshing um but enough with the bayern talk there is uh, enough to talk about about the league leaders themselves um international break it was and uh Borussia Dortmund of course uh, always have their issues getting the ball rolling right off the international break. Um, first things first, Lukas Piszczek picked up a knee injury. Some reports say that he is out for the rest of the year, others like three or four weeks. So I don't know uh, what the matter of fact there is. Uh, however, um, he will be out for the next few weeks at least. Konstantin, Jeremy Toyan, is he ready to replace Piszczek in... Uh, a handful of really vital games that will be coming up. I guess he'll also miss the game against Bayern Munich and uh, Champions League matches that are vital. And I would say the uh, upcoming game against RB Leipzig is a very important one for Dortmund as well. I think it, it does uh, dirt, uh, Dortmund in that way that uh, Toyan would have been, I think, the first choice uh, left back in, especially the important matches, the, the difficult ones against uh, Leipzig and Bayern. Uh, because I've, I, I believe right now, uh, Peter Bosch, I mean, he likes Saradu, he, um, he sees the potential, but he, he doesn't think that Saradu is, um, you know, ready to, to, uh, defend against Warben, for instance, or Forsberg or Keita. Um, so. Yeah, at least Marcel Schmelzer's returning soon, isn't he? Like, uh, in, but in a he, week or two? He, but he will need some time. I mean, he, he was hurt, um, Early on in the season, then he got back on the on the field, uh, got hurt again, or was injured in the Freiburg match in his first match, um, in his return match. So I mean, he hasn't had that much playing time. So um, I don't That's know. That's true. Sure, he has the experience, but you know, Schmelzer, one of his one of his big strength, and also one of the uh, basic conditions for a good uh, Schmelzer uh, uh, performance has to be that he has to be fit. Um, he just has to be at 100% ready, um, just stamina wise. Um, just, you know, he has to be quick enough on his feet, um, uh, to do all the things he can do. But if he's not, he's not like at a 100%, um, you have a mediocre player. 
and I'm it 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 really hurts me inside that I have to say that. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, because I'm, of course, the biggest Schmelzer fan in the world, as er everyone knows. Um, so yeah, but it's, it's, it's unfortunate because uh, I think Toyan would have been the first choice left back just in these important matches. Um, you don't need him against, uh, Nicosia, but maybe it wouldn't hurt Dortmund to have someone like him, uh, away. Uh, on Cyprus, but, um, overall, it's just, it's just a problem. Um, and now you see that, um, someone like Eric Dorm, for instance, who is, I mean, injured all the time. Um, he's basically long, long time injured for, um, and that's a problem. Um, that Schmelzer was injured, that, uh, Guerrero was injured. Like now the injuries, you know, they pile up and, uh, especially on two positions, uh, or the fullback positions, uh, which, which is a problem, um, and which will, which could become a problem because Dortmund, the, the playing style they have, it's, it's pretty risky. You need four defenders who can, um, sometimes iron out a few difficult ones when the, the opponents break through and there's only one or two players left from Dortmund and then they have to, to find a way to, to, you know, deny the goals. Um, otherwise, I mean, Dortmund will concede some. You're saying that Dortmund are playing a risky style of football, Constantine. <laughs> um, you know, just maybe to add to that, I just seen that um, Rafael Guerrero is due back on the 17th of October. So that's in five days. That's not soon enough for the Leipzig game, but um, someone in the, like Nicosia, you know, you could slowly ease him back into into football. The question I don't think also Nicosia with, with Guerrero is, is whether Peter Bosch even sees him as a left back or rather as a central. Oh yeah, but, that's, but, that's, but the, that, that's a good point. But, but the, the date you mentioned, I think that's like on transfer market or so. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know because they, they, they wrote that in, uh, uh, months ago and I'm not sure. Uh, personally, uh, you think it's an estimate? Yeah, personally, personally, I think Guerrero won't be back, uh, until December. I, I, when, when he got hurt again, uh, in summer, uh, I thought that he will return in the Rückrunde and not before that. Be, uh, because also, I mean, he maybe he will be like, uh, um, away for off the injured list. Uh, in, in late October, early November, but he needs time to get back, you know, in, in playing shape. I, I mean, that's just a problem. I mean, he grew out, uh, how many play, how many matches did he play last season? Eight, nine, something like that, because he was injured all the time. Um, and then he got injured again. And said, I mean, he was injured. He, he, he went to the confet cup injured. Um, and that's like just, that's, it's, it's, it's more severe than in, in Schmelzer's case, who just was a little bit unlucky in the last few months. Yeah, the the problem with uh, Rafael Guerrero's injury history is basically that he more or less arrived injured in Dortmund from the Euros and always had muscular problems, never really recovered. And uh, I I guess overall that's just very poor manhandling uh, of uh, yeah how Guerrero was played. I think that's the the only way to put it. And uh, every time there was an international break, he went there and he returned injured from the Portuguese national team. And he should have never been at the Confit Cup. Yeah, yeah. that's very no. true. He never should have. And I think uh, there's a very long rant somewhere on episode, I don't know what, <laughs> on the Yellow Wall pod about that. I think Matthias was uh, so nice and uh, got the word out of uh, how angry he is about it with everyone else, I think, chiming in there. So yeah, this this is going to be really tricky. Um, Lukas Piszczek hasn't really been at his very best this year, uh, to say uh, the least however he has uh, done well in uh, like the clutch performance in Augsburg for example I think that was a game where his experience obviously showed and he, he did quite good uh, to help his team close this match out so yeah Jeremy Toyan we have not seen him on the right back position yet but this I guess will happen now uh, I don't think that he traveled with the national team or uh, under 21 so at least he is fit. Um, overall, Konstantin, I know you are much as much of a Leipzig expert as you're a Dortmund expert. So um, I come to you first with this question. Um, who do you see the favorite in Saturday's top spiel? The 6 p.m. or 6.30 p.m. kickoff time. And uh, why? Uh 
I mean, Dortmund is leading the league. Uh, Dortmund is playing in the Westfalenstadion. Leipzig is not at the same level. I mean, yet not at the same level they have been last year. Um, so, yeah, Dortmund is, of course, the favorite. And I, I don't think one single person in, uh, at every Leipzig would disagree with that. Um, so it's, yeah, it's basically... It's basically, it's not Dortmund's game to lose, I would say, but I think, uh, they are the favorite. I mean, if it's, if it, if it ends up to be a tour, it's all right. If Dortmund loses, it, uh, it will be a big disappointment. Or while RB Leipzig, I mean, they can travel to Dortmund and try something. I think they were much more in a, in the favorites position last year uh, or last season when they, when they traveled to Dortmund, but then they had all these injuries and, uh, lost at the end. So, um, no, I, I think Dortmund is the favorite, yeah. Yeah, Nabi Keita will return to the team after his suspension, free game suspension for a very uh, harsh foul against, who was it? Some Gladbach player, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Kramer or so. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was Kramer because Kramer got, uh, got uh, Nabi Keita's foot in his face, you know, it's. It's always it's, Kramer. When in doubt, just say Kramer. It was probably him. Even when he wasn't so on the I field, it's probably him. Right, so. <laughs> <laughs> Point proven but right there. Yeah, but, but I, I sorry. Go ahead. I think this is going to be a really interesting game. Um, because remember in the beginning of the season when Peter Bosch said that his tactical, his tactics are very risky. And, um, he pointed out that in the beginning, in the transition period, there will be games that they will lose by a high margin. And, they have, of course, against Tottenham and Real. They were found out against Tottenham and Real. And I'm really, I'm really curious to see because this is the third time really this season because they haven't really been tested in the Bundesliga. They haven't really played against anyone who could really test them. You know, this is the first time that they're coming up against a big Bundesliga side that could tactically find them out. And I'm really curious to see how Dortmund are going to handle this game because, um, Third time is a charm, maybe. Um, it, it will really show the defensive stability, you know, this, this attacking mindedness that Peter Boss has, um, to find a balance. And I think that Leipzig will do everything in their power to explore that, right? The, the openings that, that really open 4-3-3 system has. And this is going to be an interesting test, I think, for, for this B4B side is, are they going to have another, you know, stumble like they did against Tottenham and Real? Or are they going to finally find that, that balance and that stability? Yeah, that's uh, exactly the uh, question I had, more or less. And uh, I, I'm glad you already answered it. But uh, I guess the follow up question can go to Constantine since, yeah, I agree with Manuel. It's more or less the first high profile match for Dortmund in the league. And so far, Dortmund have not looked too good in high profile games. So, uh, where do you see Hasenhüttel's uh, levers he can pull in order to ta tactically, yeah, outdo Dortmund? And uh, I can already see Timo Werner running riot in behind Dortmund's defense. So, Konstantin, what would you do if you were Ralf Hasenhüttel to, uh, yeah, snuff out Peter Bosch? Um, I would basically do what I. Did last year in, in, in one of, in a few high profile matches, uh, every Leipzig had, which means, um, of course, applying the pressing system, but, uh, res uh, but in a certain way, which means, um, you know, using your four, uh, runners up front to, um, basically force Dortmund to play into, right into the middle, where then Nabi Keita and maybe the, with them and maybe Limer, um, so two, Pressing specialists, uh, will, um, f you know, uh, win the, intercept the ball, win the ball, uh, and you, you got, you got four players up front who are really good in interacting with each other. And, uh, we are not someone who has, who has this one behind the, the back line, really. That's, that's one of his, his strength and, and specialties. Um, so winning the ball in the middle around the halfway line. Um, so not, you know, not going for the, for the early turnover, going for yeah, Diego uh, Demme, though, is, is questionable for this game. I think he has, yeah. uh, but that's, that's. That's the good thing with, uh, for every Leipzig with, uh, Konrad Leimer. I mean, they got, a, they got a second, uh, a pretty, pretty, pretty good, uh, uh, center midfielder. They got also Kevin Kampel, 
you know, who can all can um, maybe even they use a free free man in the middle. I wouldn't do that actually, but they could with uh, Kampel, Kater, and someone behind them. If, if it's not Demme, I mean, Ilsanker is still injured, but I think Kater and uh, maybe Leimer. That's that's a that's a good um, center midfield. Uh, two players who can win the ball against uh, someone like Gonzalo Gonzalo Castro, for instance. Like so, forcing Dortmund to play, you know, through the middle, not through the rings. Um, you know, uh, forcing them to have that, that, uh, Gonzalo Kostrovens has, has a lot of touches early on, uh, which then is something they can, um, exploit by, uh, forcing the turnovers. Um, so, I mean, that's something every Leipzig has done brilliantly in the few matches last year and not so much this season, but, um, I think the position of every Leipzig in a lot of the matches has changed. Um, but against Dortmund, they are the outsiders. They are the defending side. Um, then so they, they can use, uh, first the pressing and in, in midfield around them, uh, in the, in the second third and the middle third. And, uh, they can also use, of course, uh, Werner and, and Forsberg. Um, and, and Paulsen, Paul, I mean, Paulsen is someone, you know, you can play the ball to. He can, he can just cover the ball for, for seconds, um, which is not so helpful in counterattacks, but, um, it was, it was helpful when you are, pr- uh, when, when Dortmund is pressing, you know, when Dortmund applies the high press, then long balls to, to Pauls is still a weapon, uh, to get free, um, and not turning the ball over early on. Um, but yeah, using, using those things, uh, pressing counterattacks, I mean, that's, that will be Hasenhüttl's match plan, I think. Yeah. I think so too. It's it's uh you know with Paulson you make a very good point because I think for any opponent against Dortmund it's vital to keep the ball for maybe four or five seconds either high up the pitch with a long ball or somewhere in midfield to evade Dortmund's pressing because the spaces will eventually open up and when you then play around the first or second wave of pressing you basically have the whole field to play to and uh, yeah maybe that's that's one approach, Manuel. Yeah, just I'm just wondering because Timo Werner, of course, is is a big maybe, right? Um, Leipzig has said the the decision on him will be made on Friday, so we won't actually find out till tomorrow whether he plays or not. And I think he will make the, his presence or not will make a big difference in this game because I'm not sure if Augustine has the same qualities to explore explore Dortmund's opening um, the same way. You know, when you when you look at the the Tottenham game and I think that the Tottenham game gives us a big indication of how this game could go as the Dortmund will press up high will have the majority of ball possession and Leipzig will you know try to do the game pressing and hit them with really fast counter attacks and Timo Werner is the perfect man for that you can you can basically hit them anywhere in the in the attacking third right and he will just collect the ball and do something with it because he's he's that much of a multi-dimensional striker and I think his presence or not will be a massive difference maker in this game. I, I think Dortmund should be worried if he is playing. And if he's not playing, then I think that will, Augustine will, is, is a totally, completely different uh, proposition, um, up front for Leipzig. Yeah, that is true. I, I completely agree that, uh, Timo Werner will most likely be the key player for, for Leipzig. Um, Konstantin, how do you see Nabi Keita so far this season? Uh, mostly he has uh, grabbed the headlines with uh, fouls and suspensions. And uh, I think there was something uh, with Guinea Tuna in the national team where he got sent off for an assault. And uh, in the Champions League, he was also very close to a second yellow against Besiktas, I think it was. Um, one interesting stat, I guess, about him that um, his amount of dribbles has gone up significantly. I think uh, he attempted about five or six dribbles per game last season, and right now it's still a very small sample size, of course, due to the fact that he hasn't played so many games, but it's somewhere around eight, and his success rate is still around the 55-60% mark, so that hasn't changed. Um, so... Yeah, how is Nabi Keita doing so far this season? Is he in the same form as last year or why? And is there any correlation with why he would dribble so much more than last season? Uh, well, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay too much attention, uh, to these statistics because, I mean, as you mentioned, he, ha- he hasn't played that much. 
Um, and uh, once he played as a, as a attacking midfielder, because I mean, he can also play on the wings in, in Leipzig's 4-2-2-2. Um, that explains it, maybe. Not, not, no, not necessary. I mean, of course, if he, if he's playing on the right wing or the left wing, he dribbles um, more often than, than when he's a center midfielder, but also because Leipzig has to, has to do more with the ball because they, they can't defend all the time because they have more ball possession than last year. Um, in, in some of the matches, um, he's asked, he is someone who has to, uh, dribble a little bit more out of the backfield coming forward. And he's someone who can do that better than, for instance, Lima or, or Demme or Ilsunk or, or even Kampel. Uh, or anyone else in the Bundesliga, I think. Or, or basically, uh, a, a Bar, Thiago and Dahoud, anyone else in the Bundesliga. That's right. Um, so yeah, that's, um, I mean, something he, he did that a, f a few times last year and you could see the potential because he's someone you can just keep the ball, you know, break through one line. Then, then he's also good by, uh, at passing, of course. I mean, he's good. He's good at exploring all these options. He's basically the, 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 the quarterback who can also, who can also do his own runs, you know? Um, so yeah, that's why he, That's why Liverpool spent or will spend so uh, much money um, signing him. So, um, but I I don't think he's you know at the same level he was last year right now uh, because of a, of a few things surrounding his person you know him himself as a player as you mentioned I mean there there were some some headlines uh, which hit the papers uh, because of. Uh, His, his, of course, his transfer to Liverpool next season, uh, because of some things what Frangnick said about him, uh, and about his, like, clan in Guinea and, and stuff like that, and also because of the red cards he, he already, uh, received. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a difficult time in, in Nabi Keita's career. I think, I mean, he's still a young player, uh, 22 years old. Uh, but maybe this uh, season won't be as memorable as last season. And at the end, every Leipzig did the right thing, you know, selling him in, in the summer. Um, but overall, he's still an incredible player and he will be, I think, uh, one of the best center midfielders, uh, in a few years. You know what? I think that he maybe has been found out a bit. You know, teams know now that he is the centerpiece of, of Leipzig's, um, plan every game right and um you can see that the team's just closing him out forcing him into the triple um rather than you know allowing him to sp spot his teammates and i think that that is one thing that's just teams have more or less found out okay well if we shut down this guy or if we don't give him um options to play the ball then we can shut down the entire leipzig side and this is maybe something that leipzig have to look at as well and say like look We have to, we have to find, well, they have to find that solution anyways, because they sold him, right? Um, to, to become, make our game more multidimensional and be less dependent on, on Navy Cater. Yeah. But I also think, um, that the problem at Leipzig sometimes is that, that, uh, and that they are playing basically with, uh, two number tens, but also with two ringers at the same time. Mm -hmm. I mean, Forsberg and, and, and Sabitzer. And, and what was, And in, in Leipzig system, normally in the, in the, uh, in their, uh, year, they got promoted to the to the Bundesliga and in the first Bundesliga year. Um, normally, I mean, Forsberg was more like the tripling winger, you know? Um, and Sabitzer was more like the number 10, the playmaker, uh, in front of the, of the, of the center midfield. Uh, problem is Sabitzer has declined a little bit. I mean, he's not as, um, Yes, he, he has a few problems. You know, he's not uh, on top of the game, on top of his game, as he was maybe in in the in the second Bundesliga. So, um, so that that leaves that leaves a little bit of a hole in in uh, Leipzig system. And when you watch the the their uh, last uh, their recent match against uh, Cologne at Cologne, um, they they got Puma and Forsberg. You know, as a, so two really typical wingers and Sabitzer played up front because Werner is, is, uh, injured. Um, so that, that leaves, uh, that leaves a big hole in, in, in the middle. So, which means, uh, maybe you can use Keita as someone who, you know, who can, can move forward and fill the hole. Um, or you can use Kampel, who, I mean, in my opinion, was not signed to be a center midfielder, but we were signed to be like this new number 10 guy. Um, uh, but, but, Campbell hasn't had the impact he should have. 
Um, so right now, I mean, uh, Kater is more or less you know, f- forced to, to do so much uh, on the field, you know. He can't hide. He can't, like, you know, uh, keep himself a little bit out of attack. He has to do it all the plays. Um, and yeah, and that's something, I mean, then he, he basically has a lot of weight on his shoulders and, and other teams will find out or will, will find ways to, to contain him a little bit. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, every Leipzig has to find a solution. Um, and personally, I think... I mean, I don't know. Uh, that's uh, that's speculation, uh, you know, just on my part. But I think there's there's someone uh, playing for Borussia Mönchengladbach who could the new who could be the new Kater next year. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Uh, maybe real quick, Stefan. I just this has just come <laughs> in. Uh, Timo Werner is not going to play on well, Saturday. Well, that's uh, what what they are reporting, but uh, they are not. He's not been in the plane, so uh, he he didn't fly with the team. I think maybe we'll thrive. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The article actually Maybe. says when they will step on the plane today oh, okay, oh. at six. So that art- article is still talking about the future, what will happen. So we- we'll see about that. But uh, yeah, I saw it too. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe uh, to to reverse the question and flip it around. Um, how do Dortmund contain Leipzig? What uh, should Dortmund do? to uh, stifle Leipzig and, and how would they approach this game. Konstantin, Thomas Tuchel had a very interesting ap- approach in a 1-0 win at home against Leipzig, even though Leipzig had a lot of injuries. Dortmund still played a very, I think it was a 4-3-3 system as well, but rather passive where Dortmund actually uh, conceded possession and played on the counter-attack. Uh, nothing I would expect Peter Bosch to do, but... Let's not say what uh, Dortmund will do tactically, but maybe what Dortmund should do tactically to uh, stifle Leipzig and uh, gain an advantage. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you're absolutely right that Peter Bosch won't do any of this stuff they uh, totaled it last year. Uh, just because he wants to dominate the entire match, he wants to contain Leipzig by uh, using counter press. You know, just if if Nabi Keita gets the ball after uh, Dortmund is turning over the ball, and just you know, circling around him, um, getting him immediately, and then not letting him or you know uh, someone like Forsberg just picking up speed. And and quite frankly, right now I don't even think that's that's uh, a bad idea because right now Leipzig is not as as sharp as they were a few months ago, which which means you are more able to contain them by counter pressing. But you also have to know when to um, step back and move backwards, and that's something Dortmund hasn't done that well uh, this season so far. Which means <laughs> <At all. laughs> you, you know, ab- sometimes no, sometimes yeah. <laughs> abandon, abandoning your counter pressing strategy, or at least you know knowing okay, we are too close to our own goal. We are, we are we are in our own half. We can't counter press right now. We just have to move back. You know, uh, set up our lines uh, four four two maybe four five one whatever uh, four three three, and just you know uh, playing a more smooth defending scheme. Um, but that's something. I mean, if if we talk about Dortmund, that's more a general point actually. Um, that's something they have to. St- and Peter Bosch uh, himself has to learn that sometimes abandoning counter pressing is not a bad idea. Um, Especially I don't kn- over the course of ninety minutes. Not to say that it's not exhausting or anything. And especially against these these fast paced weapons like uh, Forsberg. Uh, or Werner, if he's pl- if he plays, or you know Sabitzer, if you will, Kampel. Um, they are all. Pretty, pretty quick on their feet. And, and I, and, you know, we, we talked about Piszczek being hurt. Um, Toyan has to play Sagadu or play on the left side, which means there's maybe Puma will play against Sagadu. I mean, yeah, it, it could, it, it could be Toprak and Batra at center back. I don't know, uh, what Socrates status is after picking up a knock in the last match for Greece. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want to see Zagadou in a lot of one-on-ones against Puma with a lot of open space around him? I don't think that's a good idea. So sometimes it's, it's better to to abandoning uh, counter-pressing, moving back, and then you know uh, uh, supporting Zagadou, for instance, on the on, uh, on the on the left side or Toyan on the right side. Which means you need your two center midfielders that the players next to uh, Weigel, let's say Gonzalo Castro and and, and Dahoud, for instance, these two have to move back because they are normally the guys 
guys who move forward after uh, Dortmund is losing the ball, which means you, you have the four uh, attacking players and the two center midfielders, sometimes even Shahin or Weigel as, as the sixth guy. Um, so you need these two to move backwards to support uh, the ringers. Uh, otherwise, you have all these one-on-one situations um, and Forsberg, Puma, Kampel, they are just too good uh, to do that uh, over the course of 90 minutes, as you said. Yeah, so maybe let's take a look at how, how Dortmund may find a way to score goals against Leipzig. I think uh, it's it's interesting to see uh, who traveled with the national team and who did not. And when we talk about Dortmund's uh, midfield, I would assume that Mario Götze will start next to Julian Weigel, who all stayed back, and of course Gonzalo Castro. Uh, Shinji Kagawa traveling with the national team, Mahmoud Dahoud, played very impressively for the under 21s so i mean my favorite three midfield for dortmund right now is uh weigel Götz and dahoud i think when they are all on form there's uh, hardly anything better maybe not synergy wise not even in the entire bundesliga because uh the the way those three players can operate in close spaces and still create triangles and uh other uh yeah passing outlets and options that's that's pretty immense and uh actually adds a lot of structure to this Dortmund side but uh, I think it will be Castro over the hood this this time because uh Dortmund play Dortmund coaches for some reason like to start Castro in these big games and so does Peter Bosch so Manuel um how do you see Dortmund uh, creating chances against the Leipzig side uh we can Maybe take a look at Cologne, who did very well in uh, creating a lot of chances against Leipzig, but not finishing them. However, uh, it might be a little bit for different match than uh, Leipzig against Cologne. Stefan, I actually like the way you um, put together that midfield three. I think that actually would make a lot of sense because they are three holding midfielders. Uh, Kicker has Kagawa, Sahin and Götze in midfield. Uh, that was what they did against Tottenham. That didn't work very well at all. And I, th- I think this is going to be a very similar situation. You need to have those three holding players. Yeah, Nuri Schein, I think, Age. has back I- issues. And uh, he's also doubtful. Yeah, so it's that an, more or less puts Weigel in the starting. It's an odd yeah, one. It, it puts him in the starting yeah, it's spot one way or another, I think. And I think that's better because they, they need to A, to, to stabilize the defense, which is going to be a big issue, but also to create chances, um, to just, you know, to, to have that quick transition game. And, um, I think that Leipzig have in the back have the very similar issues than, uh, Dortmund do. You know, they're not a side that had defended very well this year. And, um, Dortmund are going to play with three powerful forwards. You know, that's more or less what, Yamolenko, Aubameyang and Philip have looked like this uh, early on. And I think Yamolenko has been a very good addition for Borussia Dortmund. It's been a long time in the making. I think I pointed this out in the article I wrote uh, for the Yellow Wall pod. Yeah, you were and, really um, coy in that article on, on his chances. <laughs> you made a, you yeah, made a couple of arguments was. for why he may not really have a big impact. But so far you have eaten at least those lines of the article. Yeah, I have. But you know what, Stefan? The reason for that was because I thought he waited too long for this move. And um, I've seen signs of decline at Dynamo Kiev. And I guess maybe that's... He needed a move. He needed better players to play with. To just maybe... Uh, Ukrainians, uh, Ukrainian players or players from the post-Soviet space, uh, uh, sometimes they need um, the right kind of motivation to, to step up a level. And I guess this move has done it for him. Yeah, when, really we, has. when we had He's this conversation, it's exactly the argument that I made that... Uh, you know, he yeah. will have better players around him and that should make a lot of yeah. difference. And you were right. However, you know, it and has to be pointed out that you were also the very first person I know to actually make the argument that Yamolenko is a very good fit for Dortmund. So I don't want to yeah. push too hard on you here because you knew it all <laughs> along. <laughs> oh, I think he is. And I think he's shown that. And I think it's because he, he brings power up front. And um, he is also... He's also a guy who isn't, he's not a pushover. You know, there was recently an article in Kicker that pointed out that he's like a real man, man. And he is. And it's, it's a very different, different approach than Dembele was. Dembele was a great player to watch, but he would hold the ball sometimes forever and, um, start a dribbling on the one side and end up somewhere else and be completely lost in the pitch. Yamolenko doesn't do that. He gets the ball and it's a straight line and you know exactly what he's going to do, yet it's unstoppable. And I think that's, that's something that Dortmund will need against Leipzig is just that, you know, straight up force to 
maybe even scare um, someone like uh, Uwe Meccano, you know, the very young defender who, who is a massive talent. Um, seen recently, he has a hundred million euro buyout clause, which is just crazy. But you know, he's he's the kind of guy who can really put a young defender on the wrong foot, and I think he's he's going to be a, a big key for this game simply because. He brings that power and that strength and um, something that Dortmund lacked many times last season, you know, that directness to goal. He has that. And I think that is that is going to be um, big for Borussia Dortmund against Leipzig in this game. Yeah, Konstantinos Pulisic playing on Tuesday night <laughs> on a weird pitch against Trinidad Tobago and then crashing out of the uh, World Cup. Due to losing that match, uh, he, uh, yeah, got a couple of knocks during his international break and, uh, of course, also a mental beatdown. So I would assume he will be a good player off the bench. Uh, of course, I may be wrong and, uh, Bosch opts to start him, but, uh, do you think, uh, Maximilian Philipp, Aubameyang and Yamolenko is a front three in this game for Dortmund? Or do you expect maybe someone else in either of these positions? Um, nope. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that that that's <laughs> but, but neither do I. So yeah, it's it's uh, more or less already fixed. I think how Dortmund will play, and uh, the only the only question I have is whether it will be Toprak or Socrates in central def defense next to Batra. I think we can all assume Toljan is set on a right back position and. Zagadou is playing left back, then Weigel got uh, Castro in midfield, and then it's, yeah, Philip Aubameyang and Yamolenko. So, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting game. And I think with two teams that like to press, it will be also a very chaotic game. Um, and it's, it's going to be really interesting which team can, yeah, make more of that chaos. Manuel, who do you think so far is better in, in their transition play? Oh, Stefan, this is such a hard question. I, I still have so, so many doubts about Dortmund in big games. And I think this is, this is something I said in the game pressing podcast. This game can go two ways. Dortmund are going to do what they've done against all the other sides in the Bundesliga and, and press again. Or this could be one where they, you know, lose heavily. And, um, that's because I just think that. Leipzig, although Konstantin pointed out a lot of the problems that Leipzig have, and I would 100% concur with them, but they, they don't, they haven't made the big changes that Dortmund have made over, over the summer. And Peter Bosch is a big change simply because of the new system that he's playing. And, um, I think that Leipzig in that regard have, have the upper hand. Um, so I, I can see this game really chaotic. You, you said it. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen. And, um, for me, the key is can Dortmund, um, make some sense of the chaos? And if they don't, this could be a heavy defeat. All right. So it's, I guess, prediction time then, Manuel. It's time to, uh, put your money where your mouth is. Uh, you said it can go either way. So will it be a draw or, uh, do you, do you see a heavy defeat for Dortmund or a resounding win? What's it going to be? Oh, wow. Um, this is one that I hate <laughs> to predict. I have to do the preview later for, for, for the football grad network too. And I'm not looking forward to put a number down because I really, I, it's hard to predict. Um, but I'm, I'm an optimist and, you know, I, I have, I'm a bit with the, the yellow and blacks of this planet. So I would say Dortmund are going to win this 3-2. All right. Konstantin, what's your, feeling and how do you expect this game to pan out um i think that uh dortmund will unluckily draw with um Erbe leipzig 1-1 one, one. dominating okay. dominating the match but conceding late or early but <laughs> i think late or maybe in the middle i don't know <laughs> <laughs> All right, Franz Beckenbauer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right, since I've been the Matthias Sammer for this season overall and always been on the uh, pessimistic end of the spectrum, I will uh, predict a Leipzig win because I still don't see Dortmund uh, doing well in high-profile games and I still think that uh, Leipzig have exactly the sort of players that can snuff them out and I don't see Dortmund changing much mm. about their style. So all the reasons that uh, Manuel 
name, but then opted for a Dortmund win. I opt for mm -hmm. a Dortmund loss. I think it's going to be uh, like a 2-1 loss or so. Probably not a heavy defeat, but, mm. but something uh, that will send a ripple through the Bundesliga because I think if Dortmund lose this game, uh, we will talk about their title ambitions way differently than if they win it. Because if Dortmund win this match, um, I would assume that they are really on their way. Maybe not, not to the title per se, but to dominate the Bundesliga for a couple more months. Because I think this is a big game for Dortmund. This is really a key match. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see it all play out on Saturday evening. I'm really, really looking forward to this game because there's just so many interesting angles and just so much uh, to play for. And yeah, this Bundesliga season has so much interest just because we have a title race and Dortmund of course will stay on top but uh, if Bayern beat Freiburg then it's just two points and that that's not really much and uh, that would be a massive momentum swing on match day eight if Dortmund lose and Bayern wins so yeah there's just so much on the line but uh yeah speaking of momentum swings Dortmund also need a massive momentum swing in the Champions League they will f they will face Upwell Nicosia on Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? I haven't looked it up. Uh, <laughs> but they will uh, play away uh, in Cyprus. And I've got two experts here who can tell me all about Nicosia, not looking at Transfermarkt.de or anything. So, uh <laughs> Manuel, is this a must winner for Dortmund? Uh, yeah. Okay, thank you. Konstantin? <laughs> Um, yeah, and also speaking of Transfermarkt, uh, I just wanted to to uh, open the Nicosia page, but it's a 404 error, so I f think they are like maybe closed as a club. <laughs> no, no, it's still there. Yeah? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is, because I have it still open. I mean, I, I would never use Transfermarkt as a source. I, I know all no, the stuff no, apart. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, now now it's now I've opened yeah, but, it. Yeah, but 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 maybe what what you have to do, Constantine, is the same what uh, Dortmund have to do, and that's clear their Champions League cage, <laughs> and and reload. So, <laughs> um, but, what, but what, what, it wasn't that funny actually. But yeah, I know. Yeah, okay, okay fine. Okay. But in all honesty, <laughs> since I'm not funny, anywho, let's stick to what I can do and just be serious about everything. Okay. What do Dortmund have to do to come away with three points there? And what, like, should Dortmund even put emphasis on the Champions League at this stage of the season still? Because there is a good chance of, or not a good chance, but there is a chance of them, uh, yeah, finishing in the top two. Or at this point, do you just say, screw it, let's focus on the Bundesliga, Konstantin? Um, I mean, there, there is still a chance to, you know, go through. Um, it, it's not a big one, but it is one. Um, That's just what I said. You don't have to repeat everything that I say when you just make fun of me. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, especially, espe especially I repeat everything you say. Um, yeah, that's how <laughs> the, the entire thing here works. Um, it's, it's just, no, uh, they have to win. They will win in nine out of 10 cases. They will win, uh, against Nicosia because Nicosia is one of these, these teams. I mean, they gathered around a few known players but it's not uh they aren't really a threat uh in the in, in the champions league i mean they would be far better off playing europa league and maybe you know going through and playing the, the round of the last 16 or something um but um yeah they are not not quite there uh to f really threaten dortmund on the other hand i mean dortmund normally they should dominate they should have uh you know, score a few nice looking goals, but, uh, with the high backline and everything, who knows? I mean, if Nicosia scores early, who knows? But I don't think it will happen, but who knows? No. I mean, just, just, who knows, you know? <laughs> no, definitely just that we, not. Th that I mentioned it, you know, uh, I will, I will cover all bases. Konstantin <laughs> <laughs> Eckner, five tool podcaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho, enough baseball references. Um, of course, there's always this lingering danger that any team in the world will snuff Dortmund out on the counter attack. I mean, even Freiburg could have done that easily in in the match and didn't. So, um, 
Yeah, this this can always happen, be it in the Champions League or in the Bundesliga. So, uh, yeah, it always is a bit up to chance whether the strikers say, like, Igor de Camargo. <laughs> I was <laughs> just going to say that. Actually, the really nerd uh, knowledge would be to talk a little bit about Tommy Orr. All right, you know. go ahead. I don't know. I don't have to talk about him. He's just an Australian national, you know, uh, Australian national player. So, I mean, maybe you're further about, uh, about him. That's what I for. Just because his name is Orr doesn't mean I've heard about him. Why not? Okay, but I for, I for because he's, he's playing, I mean, whatever. <laughs> did, did, did you hear about uh, Abisio? I mean, he has, he has played for, or he played for, uh, um, Ajax for a few years. Yeah, then I might have uh, heard about him because usually when I play FIFA, I, I pick Ajax. Well, that's something. I mean, but but he uh, he was a bench player at Ajax. So oh well, then I have. But Constantine, okay. you played for I for Anji Machacala. Yeah, in the dark days. Yeah, I know. No, that's actually uh, only uh, I think last year or so. Yeah, he's, he played in Russia for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, but, but he, he switched. I mean, he, he played for he played in Ukraine as well for Donia for Metalik Donets. Yeah, yeah, it's all the all the same club, all the same ownership. That's um, and the owner also was his agent, and ah, oh, yeah. So you know, now he's in in Cyprus, the the tax haven of Europe. So you can go figure what's happening there. All right, and that concludes our preview. <laughs> no, actually, uh, we we have a a couple of points uh, to talk about. Not many, but uh, I can't remember who of you it was, but uh, this match may serve for some players, maybe like Schmelzer or Guerrero or, or whoever, mm. to be nursed back uh, and be handed some, some playing time. Um, so, yeah, do you guys, Manuel, you first, do you, do you think this will be a heavily rotated, reshuffled uh, Dortmund team from what from the team we will see on Saturday? That would make sense to do that. I mean, I'm no disrespect to Apoel Nicosia, but you know, we should be able to beat them with your B team. And um, there's a good chance to, to rotate a few guys in and out and uh, sh shuffle it around a little bit maybe even bring one of the young guys on someone like Jakob Larsen, for example um, just to give some of the kids some playing time and um, rest some of the guys that have been playing every week basically right so um, I think that's that's a very good opportunity to do that Konstantin is this the sort of game where Dortmund can finally rest Aubameyang who has played all but five minutes so far this season? Uh, yeah, I guess. But also, if 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 you, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, rest him against Nicosia and against Magdeburg. I guess that's the best way to do it. Um, and on the other hand, I, especially in the possession-heavy match, uh, I mean, I guess Dortmund could need him, could use him quite well. But, uh, or maybe trying something out with, uh, Pulisic. Pulisic as a center forward, for instance. Or Maxi Philip as a center forward. Yamolenko can play up yeah, front yeah, too. Uh, yeah, he could play up front, but I think, especially in a possession heavy match, he's not the right guy to play up front. Um, then I think a, a, a smaller, you know, quicker guy who can turn faster. I mean, uh, Yamolenko is a, is a great, you know, powerful winger, but, uh, I think Pulisic or Philip, that's why I mentioned the, those two. I think they would be better in, in, in a match, you know, which just, which, where the field is, is basically only 40 yards long. <laughs> because Dortmund is so high, standing so high. Um, and, and, and Nicosia is defending so deep. So, um, yeah, I guess. Here's one, here's one that worked always in the past. Götze. That's, I mean, yeah, why not? It's, yeah, it's, why not? And I, I, I think, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Andre Schöle will also, you know, look to make his, uh, what, what will be season debut, right? He has been, he hasn't even played a single minute under Peter Bush. So, yeah, that's, that's maybe one to look out for as well of players to, uh, make an impact in this game or not make an impact. We will see. Um, and I guess that really concludes our preview because I personally do not have much more to say and I don't want to artificially drag it out. So, Manuel, since you've, been doing so well in your predictions so far you can go ahead again <laughs> um 
5-0 for Dortmund. All right, I'm going to go with a 2-0 away win. I don't I don't think this will be the goal show just because Dortmund will have so much rotation that uh, the automatism won't be won't quite be there, but who knows, Dortmund have been firing on all cylinders sometimes even with heavily rotated sides. Konstantin? Uh 3-0. All right. So, um yeah, Lars and I uh, <laughs> asked for more or less a international break Q&A as we usually do it on the last show but uh, since I posted it so late there was only one teeny tiny question that uh, has arrived in my mailbox and uh, Tom asks for your Q&A would you say yes to a deal struck by the devil whereby Dortmund won the Champions League this season at the cost of Schalke winning the Bundesliga very hypothetical uh, I personally would just say yes uh, why, why the hell not because if Dortmund win the Champions League then nobody will care who wins the Bundesliga and it's still not Bayern. So um, I think there are a lot of traditionalists out there that will heavily rival this answer. However, uh, I let you guys have a crack at it. Manuel, I you, think as an old 1860 Munich fan, you can go first. <laughs> yeah, um You, you know how I feel about Borussia Dortmund. They're pretty much my adopted side since we will never get back to the Bundesliga. So um, I, I think it would be a, a sign of a healthy Bundesliga if that would happen. So although I don't would welcome Schalke as a, as a winner, it would mean that Bayern hasn't won it. And it would mean that a different team other than Bayern had won the Champions League. And that would be a sign that the Bundesliga was all well and healthy and competitive and so, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, that'd be really great. It'd be a great storyline. Sadly, I don't think it would ever happen. Yeah, no, obviously. That's a highly hypothetical and theoretical question. So, Konstantin, Schalke winning the Bundesliga while Dortmund winning the Champions League, would you strike that deal with the devil? Um. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's just... It's it's like it sounds like uh, it sounds like 1997 when Schalke won the uh, UEFA Cup and Dortmund the Champions League. I mean, yeah, you know, just going for the big for the bigger one and and uh, basically you know, um, showing the middle finger to the to the big rival uh, because I mean let's let's face it in in, in nine, uh, 1997 um, it was you know all about Dortmund basically. I mean. Um, Many people remember it because they beat um, Juventus and uh, the Schalke Internationale match. I mean, it was it was uh, uh, um, entertaining and everything, but uh, it wasn't a big one. So um, why not? Um, but I, I mean, I personally, I thought that Schalke would, you know, be maybe ending a one up. Um, I mean, before the Bundesliga, it was actually my prediction that it could be the one up or the, maybe ranked third. Um, Seven match days into the season, uh, is that still uh, the prediction you will stick by? Um, it's, it's, I, I think they can still end up third or fourth. Uh, it's But just not run up. Yeah, I know. Um, it's just, you know, a few things have, have turned out a little bit differently. Okay. I, I admit, um, like, like uh, which one? Um, first, I thought Bayern would still be more stable, you know, not as unstable as they're right now. I think, um, that that's. I think, um, the second thing is, I thought that, uh, uh, losing Rudy and, and Süle would hurt Hoffenheim much more. I just underestimated this, uh, son of a gun, uh, Nagelsmann because he's just so good as a tactician. That's, that's, uh, as a, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, what he can do with a, like, basically he can win matches without, uh, having one decent defender because he doesn't have one. Forked. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you, you know, okay, you, you can, he's the you can, fastest player in the league. Yeah, that's like that's like uh, there was a statistic uh, uh, during the World Cup where uh, uh, which said that Hummels was the fastest player in the World Cup. So I question a little bit because I just these defenders have sometimes more space to run. Um, <laughs> to You're saying that speed. statistics aren't flawless. Come on. The question is whether the, the pace was set by running back. <laughs> Yeah, or yeah, someone or accidentally maybe, maybe. dragged the mouse too fast over the or, field. Or, or maybe, or maybe he he was sh shoved in full sprint. 
that or, may- or maybe you know they just played against uh, a team like Darmstadt and the the field was not you know even. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, just uh, yeah, Hoffenheim. I mean, they they're better than I expected, uh, just because of, of Nagelsmann, basically. Um, so I don't know if Schalke will, will do that, but I think um, Tedesco. Uh, that's a problem right now. I mean, Tedesco is doing a pretty good job, but uh, it's Schalke, so you never know. Maybe he gets he gets sacked in a few weeks. Who knows? I don't think so because Heidel's uh, job would be also uh, done at Schalke if, if he sacks the second coach within a few weeks uh, or months. Um, but, you know, Schalke won't win the championship. Um, that's that's for sure. All right, with that hot take. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, the hot, that's the hottest I, take we ever had I, on yeah. this podcast. <laughs> we I've definitely this heard show, worse yeah. predictions before this season, but we won't get into that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Anywho. Absolutely. No, no, no. I guess we've hit the commuter's bell with this show. Uh, so it was a pleasure to have you back on, Manuel. So no, thanks for having me. Please tell our listeners where they can find you and your content on the internet. Yeah, so people can follow me on Twitter at Manuel Vef. Um, yeah, it's very simple. And then, of course, all the content that we put push out in the Football Grad Network is at Football Grad Live. Perfect. So otherwise, you can also find it in the One Football app. Constantine. That's where, right. <laughs> where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, as always, uh, cc underscore eckner. That's my Twitter handle. And of course, check out Spielverlagerung, uh, spielverlagerung.com. And for German readers, um, spielverlagerung.de. That is very nice. And you can find me at Stefan Botzko on Twitter, my written work on ESPNFC. And if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do that via Twitter as well, or Facebook, Yellow Warpod are our respective handles there. And if you want to find our written content, you do that on yellowwarpod.com where you can also find all our channels where we host this podcast, which is iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And of course, your favorite podcatcher as we have our RSS feed up there somewhere too. So yeah, that would be all from us for this week. I guess we'll be back after the Nicosia match and uh, yeah I have to preview who do we have to preview I think Frankfurt and Magdeburg maybe yeah so yeah this this will be another very exciting show I bet with uh, four games to preview and talk about so until then goodbye